Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Watkins-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. It is fatal to enter a war without the will to win it. Douglas MacArthur. Greetings, everybody. How are you doing, my peak performer? Welcome to episode 114 of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I'm Henneke Watkins-Porto. Today's episode is with speaker, trainer, and author, Brigadier Sushil Basin. Sushil has training and speaking experience of 34 years in the Indian Army and 14 years in corporate. His forte is leadership and teamwork. In 14 years, he's conducted over 550 corporate training workshops. He's the author of two books, Design Your Life and Million Dollar Second, published by CNBC TV 18. I'm so excited for us to talk about entrepreneurial lessons that we can learn from the army. Welcome, Brigadier Sushil. How are you? Thank you very much, Hanika. I'm very fine and I'm so excited to be uh, having this conversation with you today. Absolutely. Do you have any Jamaican friends? Yes. Ah, you didn't have to hesitate at all, right? Because we make very good friends here in Jamaica. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. So we're going to be talking about the entrepreneurial lessons that the Army can teach us. Give us a little background into your journey as an Army veteran. So I had uh, a fascination for the Army right from the time I was a small child. At the age of 10 years, I joined the Sainik school. Sainik school is the is a military school. So I did my schooling from class 7 to class 11 in a military school. And thereafter, I went on to join the National Defense Academy. I served the army for 34 years. And in these 34 years, I have really found every minute of this army life to be exciting. Uh, It was full of challenges. It was not very easy, but it was fun. It was fun because there was never a dull moment. Uh, There were always movements. There were uh, tasks to be done. There were challenges which were tough. And I think we really, really enjoyed them. The Indian Army also, uh, as compared to many other armies of the world, gives you some real life experiences because we have a live border. And that makes it quite different from many other armies. So and we have borders which are in the mountains in high altitude. We have, I've been uh, deployed in the deserts. I've been deployed in the jungles. So we have different types of terrain and that makes it uh, even more challenging as also a lot of variety, a lot of adventure. So that is the background. Uh, I had joined the infantry, which is the fighting arm of the Indian Army. But later on, for some medical reasons, I had to transfer to Army Service Corps, uh, which is the logistic arm of the Indian Army, where we are responsible for 
supplies and transport over to the army you know my peak performers are perhaps going to be thinking so is it india the only country that i've ever been because i talk about india so much you know and i've traveled extensively around the world but india has left an indelible mark on me and each time i you know speak with somebody that is from india has indian background or something and even in jamaica because we have a rich heritage of having Indians as part of our culture. But I do get excited about India and its people. And, you know, having been there for two for two months, India really did grow on me. So I'm really excited, you know, and, and biasly so today to speak to you, Trishel, about the Indian experience and the army. So you mentioned about the challenges that you faced as part of the being in the army. Now, what are some of those challenges And we're going to be linking those to entrepreneurship because we know that there are many lessons that the the army and you as a veteran can teach us today. Okay. So one is that, uh, uh, you know, this term VUCA came up, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So the army life is really, really volatile. It is very uncertain. You don't know what's happening the next moment. And in a peacetime, when there's no war on, the challenges are primarily on the movements. We, I have in 34 years done about 12 tenures, which means I've been, uh, on an average, I've been moving about once in less than two years. So you pack up your bags, your household with your children, you move to another place, schools is a challenge, finding education for them, finding a house, most of the times when we went to a new place, we had to stay in a, a single room in the officer's mess till we found a house. So these were the type of challenges, both logistically, that means at the domestic front, as well as on the professional front. Professional front for me, challenges were the variety of work we did. For example, in ASC, Sometimes you're on a supplies unit. Sometimes you're on a transport unit. The work in transport unit is entirely different from that in a supply unit. Then in the transport unit, we also have animal transport. Now, not many armies even know what animal transport would mean. So when we use animals for transporting our weapons, our equipment in mountains, in those areas where mechanical transport could not reach. So we have done that. Then we have air dispatch. We have catering. So a whole lot of different services. Every two years, when you're moving from one role to another role, it was something like a new learning, new experience, new challenges. All right. So let me ask you then, uh, Susail, was it was it a situation where these things came up, whatever it was, whether it was on the domestic front, as you call it, or on in terms of the profession, did you see them or were you trained to see them as problems or rather than challenges that, you know, something that can be overcome? How were you trained to look at these um, issues that arise? Did you notice that in our conversation so far, I never <laughs> used the word problem? <laughs> I only use the word challenge. Okay. So even in my corporate training, I do a little exercise with my participants. They close their eyes. They go to an imaginary computer in front of them. They go and highlight the word problem and they shift delete. 
not delete, shift, delete. There's nothing called problem. Take it as a challenge. So I have had an obstacle course in my camp and I named it the challenge course. And I told people the moment you address a problem as a challenge, it gives you positivity. You feel like overcoming it. So treat an obstacle like an enabler, not like a an obstacle, not not a hurdle, not something is going to stop you, not something that. So if I am unstoppable, no obstacle can stop me. So let me call it a challenge. So it boils down to mindset. In fact, so Shail, there is absolutely no word as problem in my vocabulary. I've actually eliminated that word because it changed, and and I be, and I really believe that being an entrepreneur has enabled me to do that. To so just eliminate that word because when you, as you rightfully say. When you think about a problem, immediately so many things go off in your brain that are negative. When you see it as a challenge, then you begin to think solution because with every challenge, there is a solution. As Marie Forleo says all the time, everything is figureoutable. Very good. Yes, so true. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you talk about the the obstacle, well, the challenge course. Liken that for us in terms of entrepreneurship and speak to some of our entrepreneurs that are listening right now in, you know, and, 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 and see how we can juxtapose that and bring the lesson home to an entrepreneur who is listening and maybe going through a very rough time because we know the entrepreneurial road is a very lonely one and it can be very, um, yeah, it's very lonely. Not can be. You can't. It gets lonely at times. So my my mind straightway jumps to the recession of two thousand and eight. While most entrepreneurs, most companies, big companies were struggling with recession and were laying off people, were having very very tough problems. There were many entrepreneurs who took advantage of that and turned their businesses into profitable businesses because they treated the recession as an enabler instead of an obstacle. Whenever the market is down, whenever there is uh, the taxation changes or something goes wrong, like in India, we had a demonetization. While an ordinary entrepreneur will be focusing on the problem, there are some who are intelligent enough to find out the opportunity in that problem. And that is what the army taught us, that for everything negative, find what's positive about it. So from an entrepreneur's angle, if you look at your customer, that okay, if this is the environment in which we are living, what is it that a client is looking or a customer is looking for? And can you quickly provide them a solution according to the need of the hour? So when you were when when you were on the battlefield, <laughs> did you always have all the information that you needed to make a decision immediately? Never, never. Mm. You always had incomplete, vague, and absurd information. You had to always put pieces together. You also had to guess the voids and take a decision. There is no way. At times, why only in battle? If I am going on the road and a boy is crossing the road, I have to suddenly decide whether I need to brake or swivel my car to the left or right. Life doesn't give us time to decide many times. So one has to be trained to think on the feet and that is the time your intuition comes in. That is the time your experience comes in. So 
I think entrepreneurs are just like like warriors. Yeah, <laughs> I tell my clients and I tell when I do workshops, I do workshops for entrepreneurs. I even do some coachings for one one on one or group coachings, and I tell them. This is the time when you must look at making your decisions suddenly and learn to think on your feet. I have a quote which is also my prayer and I say God give me the strength to cope up with the consequences of the decisions I take. Ah. Whatever good decision you may take it may always not end up as a good decision. but having taken a decision one should have the capability of handling the consequences and if that is what you are strong at and that is all a mind game so then what are what i'm hearing you say right now um social is that once you want to become an entrepreneur it's like you you automatically now begins to learn how to navigate things um because you have to think on your feet sometimes and even when you take a decision the the problem is not you know the decision that you may have taken because you need to take a decision but also knowing that you've taken a decision to uh, be able to live with the consequence of that decision you you made because at any given time you, there are there are myriad of choices that you could have taken but the the ability now rest in hold then do you deal with the consequences of whatever decision that you have taken and to stick with that regardless and perhaps even make tweaks when they are necessary if it is that it allows for that at the moment in time to to make those tweaks absolutely absolutely you just bang on that is what it and, is and then we go into now leadership because i'm also hearing you talk about leadership although you've not yet um necessarily mentioned the word by name but being a veteran in the army you had to lead i mean you don't get to brigadier if you've not been a leader right um so tell me about some of those qualities that would make you a leader that would would have taken you to that position um uh, for you to be leading in the army um being someone that is making decision on the spot somebody who is regardless of what decision you make you now know that you have a group of men or women that you are responsible for because you've taken certain decisions absolutely good so from the time i joined the army you become a leader right on day 1 because you become we start with something called a platoon which is just 30 people so you start leading 30 people that's the beginning of your career and then you keep going up and it gets more and more complex the basics that we learned and uh, i practiced them throughout my career one was that you are responsible 100% for the men you command that means you have to understand that you are as a leader responsible for not only yourself but actually for your the focus has to be not on you but the people you lead they are your focus they have to achieve their aim they have to be successful so the moment your leadership is focused outwards and not inwards it will always always be successful so that is one point second thing is leading by example that was one thing 
which I thought was very important, very important. Are you advocating things? Do you do, can you walk the talk? Can you set an example and be a role model for people? That is what I would consider as one of the top requirements of a leader. The third thing I thought was communication. That was, you know, even today, after so many years and also uh, teaching leadership in the corporate world, I find if the leader is not able to communicate his vision, his instructions, his mind clearly, uh, he will never be able to get the, get the results. And communication is not talking. Communication is listening more than talking. Are you listening to people? Are you getting the feedback? Are you understanding their point of view? Or, or, or are you only trying to push your point of view? So these three, four things are probably... One could go on to many, many leadership qualities that you need to have. But these, I thought in my life, were uh, most important. Mm -hmm. So look outwards. So, you know, and even for entrepreneurs, we create products and we create services. And many times, because we're so intimately and integrally in, in, you know, investing in it, we are focused on what we want for ourselves and, and, and how it makes us feel. And sometimes we neglect to focus on the market that we're targeting, focus on our audience, focus on those that we're making and, 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 and providing a service for. So that is very, very critical that you look outward and not look within in terms of yourself. And secondly, as you mentioned, to lead by example, right? Uh, especially now when it's all about business for a, for a cause, right? Um, social, there must be some social elements in your uh, in your in your in your plan as you're as you're looking on your entrepreneurial journey, then how do you communicate that? Communication is absolutely critical. So like you mentioned, social there can be a myriad of other things that you could say, but these three I believe that they are absolutely critical. And so we can move on from right there. We talk about leadership, we talk about um, you know, having all the information to make decisions or not. Uh, we talk about the challenges and some of the other things we've mentioned in, before that a veteran can teach entrepreneurs. Now let's move on to uh, the team and batting for your team. And you mentioned that, you know, as you enter the army, you start with a platoon of 30 or so people and, and you are a leader in terms of your position and also in terms of just you being there and would have developed certain skills. You're a leader from the get-go. Talk to us about your team, batting for your team and looking out for your team and being selfless. One, of course, uh, is the empathy that you understand people's concerns. You, The whole team is with you. That means the purpose is clear. Uh, many times a leader is unable to explain or uh, motivate people uh, with clarity on what is the purpose of the team and what are they trying to achieve. So there has to be absolute clarity in what we stand for, why we are doing what we are doing. This why is very important. So once your team understands why, then how becomes very simple. The leader's mission statement has to be clear. Of course, we won't have time for it today. But I, in my presentations, talk about the 26-11 terrorist attack in Mumbai. In 72 hours, 200 people searched about a thousand rooms and not a single casualty. How did they do it? 
when two people went into searching a room they had nobody to take orders from no supervision but there was one mission statement given by the leader very clearly no civilian must die no terrorist must be left that's it simple nothing complicated mm-hmm. once the ultimate mission so i am saying even in corporate world does your team know exactly what you are looking for do they know what you stand for what is the purpose what is the mission and mm-hmm. if we if we in a company in an organization in a team know what we stand for and we know why we are doing what we are doing the team will fall into place the second thing i feel a leader has to do and he can't do without it is build trust trust is like glue like the fevicol which keeps the team together and the moment that trust breaks the team starts breaking away third thing i talk very very highly or i, I mean that's my personal view that commitment you have to be very very committed to the cause to the team to the organization and also to yourself so these three four things in a teamwork are i think make a lot of difference of course communication is important coordination is important but nothing like the main fiber of the team being built up by the leader understanding the team the empathy and like i said you develop trust you build commitment and if these things are okay uh i think the team will do wonderfully well uh, and one more point sorry the team strength depends on the strength of the weakest member so it's a job of the team to take the entire team along and the bottom line is how good is your weakest member so like the strength of a chain is decided by the strength of the weakest link the strength of a team is decided by the strength of the weakest member so or a wife first and the whole second it's important to build trust commitment is important and it's also important for us to understand where our weakest link is because as they normally say and you alluded to earlier that a chain is as strong as its weakest link and so it's very important that we we understand we assess where our weakest link is and buffer that link so that we can all be strong together there's just so many things that we can talk about i mean we can talk about efficiency and time management again other lessons i believe that the the army can teach us as entrepreneurs but let's talk about for entrepreneurs because we like to go after the big picture and we like to make those you know big wins but i know there is something called debriefing that yes. happens in the army right and talk to us today about the de- debriefing process and why it is important is it just a norm another routine or is it something that serves a purpose no no it's not a routine thing it it can't be taken as a ritual debriefing is a process of actually doing a post mortem and getting two things very clearly out of it what was it that we did very well which we must repeat in future what was it that we could have done better and what are the lessons we have learned which we will apply in any future task now these three things have to emerge very clearly and documented and recorded for future 
So it becomes essential to go through these three questions very deliberately. And my strong recommendation to anyone who's doing the debriefing process uh, as an entrepreneur, what I learned from the army is first give everyone else a chance. The leader should be the last one to speak. Let the views that are coming belong to the team. Let the focus be on the team. Let the importance be on each member of the team that they contributed to the success. And therefore, let them have their say. And in the end, you should only facilitate the overall result. Also in debriefing, I have found and we have seen in the army people making that mistake of being focusing and stressing on the mistakes made, which ends up in blame games, which ends up in negativity. I think it's very important to follow that system, which I say it's like an injection. That first, like if you go for an injection, the nurse would take a swab of cotton and put some spirit and soften your skin. So the first thing you have today is, oh, very well done. You did very good. Focus on a few. It shouldn't be artificial. Focus on a few things that really went well. And then now is the medicine part of it. Now is the bitter part of it. And then you say, and this is where things could have been better. And in the end, again, sum it up by saying, but overall, you've done a great job. If I told you what could have been done better is only for future, that doesn't mean you didn't do a good job. So that the emotional angle and the morale of the people is kept intact and they're not given a feeling that they have, that there were all mistakes made. But while saying this, I also say that if things have really gone wrong, then a leader should have the moral courage to call a spade a spade, be even ruthless. And, you know, I've, I've learned something in my staff college. A good leader should be very humble, should be very human, but must have a streak of ruthlessness. When it is required, it must be applied. Absolutely. That's a good point in which we can end. And we're going to ask you at this point, Brigadier, to simply leave your final thoughts after you've done that. You can share how might my community get in touch with you to even follow up on this discussion after they've listened to the podcast. But if you permit, I want to tell you something which I've just spoken a few days back in my TEDx talk. Absolutely. Uh, Go right ahead. And uh, that is also related to the book Million Dollar Second. So I want to share a story which gives you the importance of what a leader does in terms of time and how important is time. So here is a story of a young captain who met me in a train and he was telling me what happened when he was in the Kargil war. So after we have captured an objective and after the bombardment and all has actually damaged the target quite a lot, then we finally do the mopping up operation in which if anyone is left who's not still killed or survivors, you handle them. So he says, I was stealthily moving around and looking for uh, any survivors and suddenly from nowhere, somebody comes and appears in front of me. And lo and behold, it's an enemy captain 
standing right in front of me within one yard with his gun pointing to me. And so was mine pointing to him. And a thought came to my mind that now only one of us can survive. And that one will be the one who pulls his trigger first. There's no time to think. There was no time to deliberate. There's no time to ask for advice. It was a split second decision. It required action. I pulled the trigger and the man died. He fell on his feet. And a deadly thought came to my mind. So what if he had pressed the trigger just half a second earlier? Then I would have been lying in his place and I would have been crying like what he's doing right now. And lying down on the ground, what do you think that man must have been saying? How I wish I pulled the trigger half a second earlier. That is the importance of time. That is the decision making that you have to do in the army. You can't, you can't deliberate. Every time there will not be time for us to do it. So this book, Million Dollar Second, has covered a lot on the importance, relevance, and value of time. I want to tell people to be consciously aware of the value of time and know that every day has only 86,400 seconds. And once they are gone, they're not going to come back again. Have you made that? And so for entrepreneurs, that's how important it is. Like we have to make some split second decisions at certain times. And it's important that we are always getting ourselves in gear so that when it comes on to making those split second decisions that we're ready and we make the right decisions. Uh, very interesting points of which you can end. I'm going to ask you right now to leave your contact details, um, Sushil, so that we can get in touch with you further. Okay. So I have a website, which is uh, Sushil Basin, B-H-A-S-I-N.com. On my website, I have a blog. I am there on all social media, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and everywhere the handle will be generally Sushil Basin. Telephone number is 91 is the India code. And the number is double nine eight seven zero eight two one three five. Thank you so much. My guest today, my peak performers, has been Brigadier Sushil Basin. Brigadier Sushil, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Henika. I've really enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to being in touch with you again and you with your listeners. Absolutely. And thank you, my peak performers, for tuning in to this episode with Sochel. He has been so gracious with his time and his insights. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until next time, visit com and see which of my programs will serve you as your inspirational leader. I have several resources that you can leverage to level up. And today, I want to encourage you to check out my online podcast course or sign up for a live upcoming workshop. Remember, visit com, and you will find lots of value to help you on your leadership and entrepreneurial journey. Remember, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. What good? We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. 
We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange.